0: Closure or not really? (laughs) Uh,
1: Closure, no, but it was nice. Uh, I don't think you can get closure from what they did um, unless we knock them out of the playoffs this year. Then it'll be, then that's like, okay. You know, if they knock them out of the playoffs this year and go on to win the World Series, then I won't ever like talk about it again. Like, I don't care. Um, It was nice to get their licks in Uh, for anyone who said like they didn't have any right to boo them. I don't understand that. Uh, we didn't have a season with fans last year. Uh, and, you know, the Astros got a complete pass. And he's still got a pass this time because there's only, you know, uh, 20% uh, capacity for Yankee Stadium, which is nothing. It's 10,000 fans. So, um, you know, they really got it easy. Um, is it closure? No. But I, I needed something. So it was nice to get what they did. And the fact that they won the series is nice. Would love the sweep. But I'll take it. It was a lot of fun. I was happy to be there on Tuesday.
0: I'm glad you brought up the limited attendance at Yankee stadium, especially one of the louder ballparks in the MLB. Is it very noticeable the less noise or does it sound about the same? Like it does on TV.
1: Um, I mean, I mean, it's definitely loud. It's still, you can definitely still hear the noise, the roar, um, especially on Tuesday, the first Astros game, like it, like if you're just watching the field and listening, it, it still feels like a, you know, it still felt like a playoff game. Everyone, every single person was screaming, booing, you know, jeering all that. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's not 50,000 people. So there is definitely a difference, um, but you take, what you can get it's going to go up at the end of the month or towards the end of the month when they come back from this road trip um, to like 33%, which would be nice, maybe even higher, who knows. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there's nothing like a, a packed Yankee stadium house. It's, it's it's not the same, but I'll take some fans, yeah, rather than last year, it's nothing.
0: Yeah, it it's very interesting to see because a lot of places it seems about the same. They might still pipe in a little bit for TV, and at other places it's like, oh, oh, they they have fans now. Like yeah. the Marlins, you wouldn't be able to tell. No, no. So no. you work at Barstool Sports. I'm curious, how did you get your start there?
1: Um. So at the Syracuse, um, graduated twenty sixteen. Um, didn't have a high GPA. Didn't do any extracurriculars. Didn't have any job offers. Nothing. I wasn't even in the probably the right major. I just did a major because they let me in. Um, and uh, I originally took a marketing, not marketing, um, cold calling job in the city. Um, I live in Jersey at the time, and it was just something decent pay just to get me uh, get my feet on the ground. Get some money in my pocket, in my bank account, you know, whatever lived at home while I did this commuted. Um, it was basically cold calling 300 businesses a day. Terrible. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It was horrific. Like did it for as long as I could, which was basically four months, maybe a little less. And it was just, it was just a horrible place. They time you in the bathroom. They, they listen to your phone calls. They yell at you all the time. You got to stick to your script. It was, it was awful. Um, and that was fall 2016. Oh, well it was about to become fall 2016. And Barstool was moving to the city, uh, to New York City, where, as before that, they were, um, you know, they were all remote, where there was Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston, New York, D.C., some people in Texas. It was all over the place. Um, so they are all coming together uh, in New York and uh, you know, under one office and create content that way. And I was obviously a big Barstool fan from my college days. And uh, everyone was doing their intern search and all that. And I knew I wouldn't stand out that way. Um, but uh, Keith Markovich, K. Marco, was the, uh, he just became the editor-in-chief. Um, and he wasn't looking for an intern, or at least he didn't know he was looking for an intern. And basically he reached out to him and was like, hey, like, I know you just became the editor-in-chief. And you got all these new responsibilities. Like, I'm sure you need some help. Willing to do it for free. You know, work for you under your, you know, earn my keep. See if I can build a rollout, all that. He brought me in for an interview, which was crazy to me at the time. And basically he said I was like overqualified because, you know, I guess I had a degree and like, <laughs> I guess a person with a degree for what he was asking for or didn't even know what he was asking for at the time. He's like, you know, uh, you're wasting your time here. But I was like, dude, I, you don't understand how bad my old job is. Like I'll do anything to, to have a fresh start, especially here. Um, and he, you know, he brought me in, I was unpaid for like six months and I worked my ass off and um, did whatever role I could possibly carve out, you know, creating things to do uh, for him. Um, that he even need he need he didn't know he needed to be done, and from there he let me blog a little bit because I did have a writing background from Syracuse and uh, worked my way up from there to get more responsibilities and and uh, yeah eventually start writing about the Yankees a little bit here and there um, and then eventually became the full time Yankee guy and and now um, more responsibilities since then um, and that's basically the short the shortened version of it.
0: So working at Barstool with the short porch. It's, it must be interesting hosting a Yankee-oriented podcast for a company that started in Boston and still has very many ties. Obviously, if you know Barstool and you know baseball, you know about Jared Carabas. So yep. does that ever come into play, the fact that you're kind of the outsider in a Boston-based company, but now in the big city and hosting, I don't want to say a rival podcast, but it's, it's interesting,
1: I would think. Well, it helps that, we're in New York <laughs> and not Boston. Um, but definitely when I first started, when I was like the 55th employee, now we're up to like 200 people. But like when, you know, I'm like still at 55 it at you know, compared to where we are now I'm in there fairly, fairly early <laughs> compared to where we are now. And um, yeah, a little bit um, definitely um, a disadvantage, you know, in terms of like gaining fans, all that, because it is a Boston or uh, originated website and all that. But, um i thought you know it's it's fun to be against those people and you know have to play the villain role in that sense um so i yeah i thrive i I, yeah i i thoroughly enjoy it like i i don't mind when people scream my name you know in a bad manner or you know come at me or whatever i just laugh it off like i i I don't care i think it's all fun um but then yeah being in new york and being able to go to Yankee games whenever i can um and, and creating you know and it helps that the podcast is good, and we've we've gotten some good – we got lucky to get some good interviews and all that and build it up um, from where it used to be. Um, but, uh, no, definitely agree with you that, like, yeah, it, is, it definitely is was weird at first um, it's, you know, to take on the New York role for a Boston-based website. But we're so big now that, like, there's people from all over. You know, we've got fans of almost anywhere he stays. So um, it's not as weird now, but it definitely was weird at first.
0: So – When you were a kid, I assume you played baseball? Yeah, my whole life, my whole life. Was there a time when in your playing career, you were like, unfortunately, this won't be my profession?
1: (laughs) Yeah, when I realized I wasn't gonna grow past five, nine, I thought that was probably an issue. Um, And uh, no, I mean, I I was fairly good. I was never as, I I grew up with uh, the kids in my grade and the grade above were unreal uh, like state championships and all that. I just was never on their level. Um, I was solid, but I could never like be at their level. And, and if I can't be at their level in high school, I'm not gonna be the level in college and major league. So, you know, I, I was realistic and I, from the get-go, I always wanted to be like a sports agent or something like that or a sports announcer. You know, I, I realized like I didn't have it. You know, I, I was always, I pride myself athletically being good, a fair, uh, acceptable, at almost anything, not like elite at anything but like I can hold my own in almost anything. Um, So I took that, you know, I'll I'll, I'll take that. If I can play any sport, fine. I don't have to play it exceptionally well, Um, but I was pretty good at baseball, but never never did I ever think that I was going to be a major league player. That never crossed my mind. Maybe like at five years old or 10 years old or whatever, but like once once my brain started to actually settle in, that never crossed my mind.
0: I'm glad you brought up agents because that brings me to a different kind of question. Trevor Bauer kind of always seems to be in the in the news this offseason, especially almost at the forefront with them is his agent Rachel Luba. I'm curious your thoughts on her, because for me, I love what she and Trevor do for the game. I like that we see kind of behind the curtain and have agents with personality and aren't afraid to express themselves. So I'm curious how you feel about her role in his decision making.
1: Yeah, I think she's, she's great for the sport and trailblazing, um, you know, for women in, in, in sports, which we need more of obviously. And I think she does a great job and she did a good job negotiating his contract and all that got him paid. Um, uh, I don't necessarily agree with how they handled their whole off season uh, with like, you know, this circus act and taking as long as they did and, you know, tying everything to their YouTube channel like every single thing was tied to the YouTube channel. Um, and the way they handled the Mets thing, even though I don't care for the Mets, but I just thought yeah. that was so yeah. lame how they handled it. And then they, you know, they, they, he claims that like, he went for a walk and it changed his mind. It's like, come on, man. Like, what are you, what are you talking about here? So um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do like what she's done in terms of growing the sport and, you know, and being a kind of a, a role model for women to get in the sport, you know, and he, someone's got to knock through that door eventually. Um, so good on them. Um, but obviously I, I just, yeah, I, I like his YouTube channel and I think it's great to see the behind the scenes um, but I just don't really like
0: how they handle the offseason. Yeah, uh, as a Mets fan, the whole t-shirt release early fiasco. Exactly, thing, yeah, all it that. It still gets like, brought up to me. It's like, yeah, I know, like it, it happened. So on the other side, as a Mets fan, Brody Van Wagenen spent the last couple of years as a GM. He obviously didn't work out, depleted the farm system. So how do you feel about agents taking front office roles? And do you think... Brody should be an outlier or that's how you think most agents would perform in that role.
1: I think it's weird, you know, especially cause he's negotiating these contracts and then he's becoming their GM. Like what, didn't he negotiate to Grom's contract and then just basically became his GM or whatever, something like that. I think it, like it, in
0: the, literally in the middle of the negotiations, he was like, Oh, I have to sit on the other side now. So yeah.
1: See that's like when it's a conflict, when it's like, I, I guess when you, you're the agent and you become a GM of a team where you don't have any you know, clients or whatever, it's a, it's a little better, but, like, I feel like it's super weird when you're becoming – when you have multiple clients on the team that you just became the GM of. I think that's, like – I don't understand. You know, I feel like there's a little – there should be a little bit of uh, separation between church and state in that situation. Um, so, definitely weird. Um, I can't see it in, in, in the near future of that happening again um, just because it was such a disaster. Now, granted, like, he was an idiot, uh, but, uh, you know, he just made terrible moves. Uh, but, uh, I, I think it was just a super weird situation. And I don't think, it, I think there's plenty of good GMs out there and front office guys to promote rather than an agent.
0: Yeah. It, it's obviously unfortunate, especially when similar to Tom Thibodeau, wherever he goes, he brings in his guys, Brody brought right. in a lot of his guys and the Mets are still suffering through Robinson Cano's contract. DeGrom, happy he's here. Unfortunately, on the island,
1: just channel. got uh promoted, <laughs> just yeah.
0: I, yeah, I saw that, and you know, that's really cool. Happy for Seattle, maybe no more than <laughs> 10 years, too. So, with the Yankees, I obviously I've seen a lot of your stuff and you listen to your podcast. It's this team, the way they've been performing this year, and Aaron Boone, especially. I'm curious. This is now year four of the Aaron yep. Boom. Okay, I've, year one, I, as a Mets fan, across town rival, if you will. Year one, I thought he did really well. And he always would wear that cool leather jacket. I always really liked that. Yeah. Um, so he's always done enough and then they kept winning. And then, you know, the shortcomings in the postseason. Right. Now we're in year four. I kind of feel like it's make it or break it time. And this year has been an interesting start. How would you grade his performance only a month into his fourth year?
1: Yeah, uh, this is definitely making or break it. uh, His contract's up. Um, Whereas they they just picked up his option to come into this year. It's not like they offered him a new deal. Um, And, yeah, with this team and the way it's assembled and the, you know, Aaron Judge is getting up there in in his age and, you know, these guys are running out of team control and all that. So it's like we got to do something with this core for sure. You know, we got to get to a world – to not get to a World Series by now is crazy. And obviously the Astros have something to do with that, but um, still – um inexcusable um and and it's tough to really grade Boone because um the the front office is so much control with this team with this you know with the lineups every day and you know who should pitch to who and how many pitches is this guy gonna go and and who knows how even deeper it gets it's you know there's there's rumors but there's never you know it's not concrete and they'll never admit it but what Boone needs to do and his job mainly is to be the face of the team and I think he's so bad at it. And I think the, the the answers he gives the media and the way he handles Aaron Judge's off days and stuff. And it's like, it's just so bad. It makes Aaron Judge look bad. It makes the whole team look bad. And, you know, he, especially the, the recent memory where he said Judge needed a day off because of traveling. It's like, you can just say he needs, day, like we're just giving him a day off. You know, It was a scheduled day off or whatever. You don't have to say that he's sore from traveling from Cleveland to Baltimore. You know, it's like, it's little things like that that just irked me and it makes the Yankees not look as strong as they should. Um, And, you know, that's what he needs to be is he's just this puppet and he needs to say the right things to the media. And I just don't think he does a good job of that. And, you know, also, you know, he, he's very tentative to kind of go at these guys and he tries to be everyone's friend. And I just don't think they need that. And obviously the reason they went away from Girardi was because he kind of went at the guys too much and he didn't agree with the front office. So they went with a guy who's going to completely, obey the front office and he's not gonna really say much to the players and you know, he's not going to go with Gary Sanchez and, and, and challenge him and um, they need something in between they you know they need something between a Girardi and a Boone. they don't need one or the other um now who that is I got no idea um and you know that's an off-season decision um but uh you know i, I just don't think he gives the right answers to the media and he you know he finally challenged the players recently and you know I guess they like him and all that but I think they need a better guy. I love Buck Showalter. I'd love for them to bring him in. Um, I think he he embraces analytics, but also being that guy who's going to go at players. But I don't necessarily agree. I don't necessarily think that the front office could like have the total control that they want over him. So that probably is like the, the pushback there. But in short, I don't think the Boone's the the right guy for the team.
0: A very common debate between friends of mine that are Yankee fans and I is Clint Frazier. I want to before I ask you the question I think there's a reason why Brett Gardner has started over him the past few years and that Brett Gardner starting over Clint Fraser there's I think it's not made into a big enough deal because this should be Fraser's job yep. and Gardner shouldn't have to play every day at now 36 last year 35 so I'm curious with Clint Fraser how you feel about him
1: I love Clint um, and I've, I've gone back and I've had a roller coaster with Clint at first, like I didn't like him and he knew what he, he knew I didn't like him either. And we kind of went at it and, you know, he was not a fan of me. And over the years we've like become close and he's come on the podcast. And I think we've completely blown things over. And like, I consider us, you know, like very friendly. Um, and that's just, I think he's just a super talented player, obviously a really rough start to 2021. Um, now why, I don't know. He was so good last year and he practically carried this team for like a month and a half when everyone was hurt. Um, he did such a good job with, with him and Luke, just really the only guys who were breathing on this team um, in the second half of the season, which was, I guess, 30 games, whatever. But um, they, they were, he was so good last year. And he's improved so much in the field. And I respect so much that because he was a big problem a couple of years ago, like in 20, in 2018, 2019, he was a problem. Um, and he, he's now, you know, whether he, he may, needs to make the dives or not, he makes the, he makes the plays. Um, so, and he's got a rocket arm. He's just so talented. And I do like, I think he's really like matured in how he handles the media. Um, and I hate, you know, I, I've been anti Gardner for a little bit now. I appreciate what he's done for this team. Obviously he's one of the longest tenured guy on the team. Um, but I, I really didn't want them to bring him back. And I was a big Mike Talkman guy. I didn't want them to trade him. And the reason they traded him is because Brett Garner's on the team, the same person, except Gardner makes a lot more money than him comparatively speaking, not a whole lot of money, but for, you know, the difference, it was like a million dollars spent to $9 million. So it's like, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's nice that he's on the team, I guess right now, because so many guys are struggling and you never know when judge or Stan are going to go down, but I just hate that it's taking away from Clint's playing time and granted Clint hasn't done anything to really deserve the starting job since the season started. But I do think he's starting to come out of it. He's starting to hit the ball well um, and hard. And that's what he was not doing in April. Um, he had like the lowest exit velo, I think in like all of baseball in April. Uh, so that's, that's changing at least, but it's frustrating, man. When, uh, and it's frustrating for him that he just can't be the starting guy every day. And then you got a guy like Aaron Hicks who goes out in center field every day and he doesn't do anything. I mean, granted he's done a little bit lately, but for the most part, he's, he's worthless. And, and, but he gets there every day and again, Clint doesn't get the same, the same luxury. Um, so I just want Clint to play more. And I know he's so talented and I want to see it uh, come from him. He's so young and um, there's, there's a lot, a lot of potential with that guy that I really want to see. You like the headband with his name on it? Yeah, I don't mind it. He, he's different. He, the re, he's just such an anti what the Yankees like are about, not in a bad way. It's just like different. Um, and he's like, you know, he, he hangs, you know, he's trying to throw the ball, Spike Lee and, you know, the Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively thing the other day and all that, like, I don't know. He's just a little, he's a little more outgoing than I guess the Yankees are used to seeing a guy, um, you know, and the way he he used to handle media. Now he's more buttoned up and, but he also, he does show He likes to share his personality. And I like that.
0: So when you were growing up, what was the moment? Either you knew that baseball was going to be a, a huge passion of yours or the Yankees in particular.
1: Um, I loved as a kid scoring games. Um, like with, like with the scorecard and everything, i go to models and just buy them when I ran them out. Uh, you know, they gave you like 40 sheets or whatever. And I just loved it. And I can, I can sit through – I can just sit through a game as a kid. Not now. Obviously, I can do it now easily. Um, but, like, I could watch a game at 1 o'clock and go all the way down to the night game at 10 o'clock and just have no problem sitting there. As long as I got food and some drinks in front of me, whatever, I got no problem. Like, other people get bothered by it. You know, they can barely get through one game. They're like, oh, you know, I'm such a football guy. And I love football and I love basketball. And I love all the sports, aside from really hockey. Um, but uh, I I can watch baseball. I'm just a nut for it. Like I and I love playing it. I love being a pitcher and being control, total control control of the game. I think that's so fascinating. And like other than being a quarterback, but then you don't play defense. You know it it's. I just love being a pitcher or shortstop and just being you know the top position, being in total control of the game. And and I just love I just love everything about baseball. There's nothing I don't like about the sport.
0: So I want to ask you kind of an interesting question about baseball media. Obviously, you're a part of it with your podcast and being at Barstool. A lot of reporters, it seems more so in baseball than other sports, are just straight up wrong. So is that just bad information or are they just not as good at what they do as let's say Schefter or what would you- You're talking about just reporting? Uh I don't want to name names, but yeah, just sometimes they report stuff. And then it's like, no, that's not true at all.
1: I just think that's a, that's a uh, problem of like just today's world. Um, Obviously if you're not Schefter passing, whatever, but um, everyone just wants to be first and it doesn't even have to do with sports. Like sometimes when people like if celebrities die or whatever, people want to report it just to be the first guy, even though it could be inaccurate. Um, You saw that with like Kobe's death and all that. There was so many inaccuracies because everyone wanted to be first. It's such a problem. It's a big problem in the media. It's all of, it's not even just sports. Um, and definitely, definitely it trickles down with baseball as well, probably more than other sports. Um, and I don't know why it's just baseball to be honest or more baseball. Um, but I really think as a whole, just in terms of just the media in general, everyone wants to be first and I'd rather just be accurate than first. I just don't, I, per, me personally, I don't care about breaking news. It's just nothing. It's, does nothing for me. That's not why I have my job. I didn't get my job because I broke broke news. I <laughs> just you know, I, I I can break it here and there if I get lucky, but it's not something I like die for like, oh, give me a scoop. Give me a source. Like I just don't care. I'll react to it. That's my job.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting especially with you being in the New York market. It's just there's so many times the Bauer one might be an anomaly because even he didn't know what he was doing. So so, th- so
1: he says, but yeah.
0: Well, yeah, but then certain people were like, oh, you know, I know exactly where he's going. And then it was like, no, not even a little bit. So with that, the only guy I really trust is Passon because yeah. I feel like he really does have a clue.
1: Yeah, even Rosenthal's like been wrong lately, like or, or spottingly, you know, but Passon's dead on, yeah.
0: So now I kind of want to switch gears. I have Kyler Huffman joining me. I want to ask you an interesting question. I want to start with you, Hubs. Rob Manfred introduced a lot of really bad rules last year oh, and yeah. some of them have stuck. Some of them haven't. <laughs> what would you say is your least favorite of these new rules? Where do I start?
1: Um, I hate the run around second and extra innings. Uh, I can't stand it. I, I don't necessarily hate, I, I get, I get why they did it last year and it's cause, okay, 60 games. And you know, who knows if teams are going to even finish 60 games when they first started this thing. It's like, we got to play so many games in a row. There's only some, it was like five off days. I think the whole year to start with teams. Um, And that shrunk, you know, by, you know, if teams got Corona and all that. So I get it like, yeah, we can't have games go 16 innings and it's 60 game season like this. And we can't afford teams to just burn their whole, you know, uh, roster, you know, but now 2021 where we're back to 162, and we have the, the virus fairly under control and teams are vaccinated and all that. Like, why are we doing this? So, and that comes in Rob Manfred just completely. This is all he wants to do is just ruin the sport, and you know, you know, just hit, he's, he's guys never played baseball. He played golf. I'm pretty sure he played golf in high school. I'm pretty sure he did not play high, high school baseball. So the guy just hates the sport, um, wants to change it for hit for his better, and to get fans that don't even care about the sport rather than care about the fans who actually do love the sport. Um, and I honestly, if he if he did the second the uh, runner on second base extra inning rule in like the 11th or 12th inning, I could be a little more on board. But to do in the 10th inning, is so stupid to me. And it's just like, it's just a circus. And these games are just, you know, it's almost like better to be the away team. I think statistically with this runner on second rule, I can't stand it. Um, there's a lot of shit I don't like, but that that bothers me to the core. And and, and it's biased because the Yankees just aren't good in these extra inning games for whatever reason. So I'm watching a lot of losses when they go in these extra inning rules. I think they're two and three this year. And last year, don't think they were good either. Um, so, yeah, it really bothers me. And
0: it's like if you're on the fence about baseball and you watch a game in extra innings and you're like, oh, look, there's a guy already in scoring position. This is now my new favorite sport. Like that's that doesn't help
1: anybody. Yeah. And like we're like put him on first. Second is such an it's like a little blooper. And like you just take the lead like what Chapman did on uh, what was on Saturday in the 10th inning or what it was, 9th or 10th inning, whenever it came in. Um, he gave up a single to right, which the runner advanced to third. They gave a sack fly. So in a real game, that's just a runner on first base. (laughs) And, And if you got a guy on first, then he gets first and second. So like Chapman, like the fact that that produced a run is just so sickening. I was like, it's not what the game should be. So
0: since we're on the topic of Rob Manfred and things he's done wrong, baseball has a very big face of baseball problem. So is there someone to you that sticks out more so than the other besides, you know, the Trouts and the Harpers and now Tatis.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tatis has certainly got it. Um, he's so likable and so entertaining, and he loves to, you know, show his energy on the field. I love that. Um, Trevor Bauer wants to be the face of baseball. Um, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. He's so arrogant sometimes. Um, I don't know. It's Tatis' to lose, in my opinion. Trout doesn't have it anymore. Um, I, Yelich is too quiet. Um, he just does his own. He's kind of Trout-esque. But he's a little – he's funny when he does podcasts and stuff, but he just doesn't want to, like, bring it out really, like, in games and all that. Um, Ballinger's just too relaxed. Um, but, like, those are guys who have potential to do it. Um, in terms of guys coming up, I guess, put me on the spot. I don't i don't know. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I, I really just think it's Tatis to lose. That's going to be really tough to top him at this point.
0: Kyler, L.A. Dodger fan. Oh, you yeah. brought up a Padre. Kind of said some bad things about a couple of your boys. No Mookie Betts. I thought that was interesting. How do you feel about the subject?
2: I mean, Mookie Betts isn't the kind of guy that is gonna draw a ton of attention off the field. I mean, on the field, he makes highlight plays as much as anyone else. Um, but he's just field, too
1: quiet. He's yeah, just he's too quiet exactly. himself. Yeah. Yeah, Great bowler, though. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's an awesome dude. Like, uh, and he's like a super nice guy. I just think, like, I mean in terms of talent like he's right up there with Trout. So, you could argue sometimes he's better than Trout, like not all the time, but like sometimes like last year he was unbelievable. Um, but uh no, I, I he just doesn't have that like energy and like the stuff that's going to capture like the the young fans mind that like Tatis does. I feel like Tatis is like kind of created for it. So now Another guy would be Acuna, by the way. That's who I was. Acuna would be—he's—he's he's the only, I think, the other fun guy that could that could get up there.
2: Also, Juan Soto, I would throw in there.
1: Yeah, Juan Soto too. Yep. No, nope. no Shohei Love. I mean, it's tough to be the face of ba- Like, as I mean, it's weird to say, but I feel like the fact that he doesn't speak English hurts. Is that hurts? Like, I mean, he's so talented, but like, I feel like to be the face of baseball in America. It, it does, it, it puts you, you know, behind these guys to not, you know, that's and also playing in the angels doesn't help. You're just stuck in the West coast. It re, I mean, it's Tatis, I guess is obviously also in the West coast, but I don't know. It's just something with Tatis that separates him or, or all these guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, I picked Shohei to win Cy Young and MVP. I, think yeah. MVP. I think MVP has a way better chance. And I think it's like one of the best stories well, if he could stay on the field, and like actually do both for an entire season. Crazy. I think that would help.
1: Crazy. But yeah, yeah. He's I mean, yeah, the Cy Young's hard because you're going against DeGrom and Bauer and Bueller and all the Bieber everyone on the Cole. Dodgers. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but if he's in the NL, oh no, no, sorry. He's in the uh fuck, A-L. he's in the American League. He's not going against DeGrom. I don't know why I said that. Um, yeah, Cole Bieber, a lot harder. MVP, although I don't know actually. Now I think about it, I don't know why I thought he was in the I don't know why I was thinking NL. Um, I mean Trout is having like the best season of his career. So like so far. So it it might actually be easier for him to win the AL the, the Cy Young now I think about it. It's yeah. hard either way. It's hard either way. It's crazy what he's doing. He just has to stay healthy and it will be so impressive.
2: I still don't know how you can pick uh someone else on the Angels <clears throat> to win MVP over Mike Trout, but
1: that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very hard. Very I mean, every year he's just ridiculous. Yeah.
0: So, we are a month in. A lot of teams have struggled. Similar to that, reporters, a couple of teams have been jinxed since tweets were made of them. The Kansas City Royals, I think they've gone 2-15. Someone, <laughs> I, I forget who, I apologize, but they tweeted that it's the end of May and the Royals are in first. It was passing. It was passing. Yeah, unfortunate, but, you know, <laughs> they're not doing well. Yeah, and there was one other team that somebody said, "Oh, they're doing really well," and then they've just fallen off a cliff. So, huh.
1: maybe the Brewers. I, you know, it really would have helped if I like wrote it down, but I unfortunately didn't. Might be the Brewers. The Brewers really—they were—they were like nineteen and twelve at one point. Now they're like they're three over. Might have been the Brewers. Oh no, the Angels. Got to be the Angels, right? The Angels yeah. were hot. The Angels yeah. were hot to start. And now they're just atrocious. They're in last now. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Negative twenty-seven.
0: It, it was the Dodgers when they started like fifteen yeah. and two. Oh and they were yeah, yeah. Oh, to go like one forty-four Plas- and eighteen. Plasky,
1: I think it was Bill Plasky said like they're the best team like ever. Yeah, so one forty-four <laughs> is
0: unattainable now, but you know they'll still probably win the West. One guy I talked about a few weeks ago on the program, mean Mercedes. I talked about him, and I was like, "Wow, this is a really cool start." But he's not going to keep it up. He's kind of kept it up. And Chicago has been a lot yep. of fun to watch. And the AL Central is turning out to be a little more competitive, especially with Minnesota's struggles. And then they've kind of turned it around. And Byron Buxton is just finally becoming who we thought he was going to be. So that division is turning out to be like one of the better ones in baseball.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's weird that the Twins aren't winning any games. I, I can't believe they're like as bad as they are. Like Buxton like to have this start And the twins to be 12 and like you, if you show me bucks numbers to start the year be like, Hey, it's May 10th. This is what he's hitting. They go twins are in first place. They're 12 and 20. That's crazy to me. That's like one of the, that's one of the bigger surprises. I don't think anyone's talking about these days. Um, But yeah, that, that, that division should be competitive. I think the Royals are better than what they've shown these last 10 games. I think they have a really cool offense um, and they have guys to promote too. uh, Like Bobby Wood Jr. Uh, But Cleveland, Cleveland's been a surprise for sure. You know, losing Lindor, but still kind of their pitching. They just, they just churn out pitching. They just know how to develop pitchers. um, And the White Sox are the White Sox. I do think the White Sox will probably pull away, uh, but they do have so many injuries. Who knows how many more injuries they have to go. Uh, But the the, the AL Central is definitely competitive for sure. Yeah.
2: Cleveland was actually, uh, I was really high on Cleveland before the season. I had them making the playoffs, even after losing Carrasco and Lindor. I actually had Jose Ramirez as my uh, sleeper MVP pick. And, I mean, he's not hes not setting the world on fire, but solid. And then Shane Bieber, of course, is going to be a perennial Cy Young candidate for the foreseeable yep. future. So, I mean, Cleveland right now, a lot of people thought after, after losing uh, the pieces that they did, then they were just going to fall off. But they
0: haven't done that.
1: Yeah, it's impressive. Definitely impressive.
0: Keeping it in the AL, switching it to your division of preference hubs. American League East, Baltimore's still doing it somehow. Boston's exceeded expectations. Tyler Glass now is fascinating to watch. Yankees turning it around. It's only a month in, but who you got leading the way towards the postseason push?
1: The Yankees are going to pull away. Um, the Red Sox are starting to come back and regress. Um, I don't think their pitching can hold up. Um, I don't think their pitching is any good. Um, I don't think the relievers are as good as they've been. Uh, the relievers have been pretty solid. I think they've had like four really, really good guys. Their offense is really good. Um, and it and it and it was weird that it wasn't as good last year. Maybe because JD couldn't cheat using his uh video in between uh at bats, whatever, which they took away and they gave it back to him this year. And now he's sitting, you know, he's like an MVP candidate, and all that. Um, But I think the Yankees, the Yankees pitching, their relievers are rock solid and they're getting Britain back at the end of the month. Um, Their starting pitching has shown up the way I thought they would. I was a little, you know, you never know how which way it was going to go. But I did have faith in the potential of this of this rotation. And it's been solid. And they're going to get Severino back in like June or July, probably July. Um, Now, who knows what he's going to give you. But um, and then the offense, they get Luke Voigt back on Tuesday. Gio Rochelle should be back. They're going to be full strength offensively. And they've been hitting better despite even like not setting the world on fire of late offensively, despite winning seven of nine, they're 12th now offensively in all of baseball. Um, and that's just going to get higher. Um, I think they're just way better than every team in this division. Um, and they'll show that. And I think they'll, I think they'll pull away and comfortably win the A at least.
0: What do you think of the theory that out was sent to Boston kind of as a spy?
1: Yeah. I love it. He's been nothing but terrible for them. I feel bad for the guy. He's a diehard New Yorker. Um, he loves the Yankees. He loved growing up with them um, yeah, and rooting for them. And, he, you know, he wanted to be Yankees so bad. It just didn't work out. Guy has control problems um, and uh, he hasn't seemed to fix them. And uh, he's blowing games with them left and right. And, uh, you know, I, I, th- hope, I hope secretly he goes back to his like hotel or whatever. And he's like, you know, he gets a little like, you know, what? at least I'm just sabotaging this team sometimes.
0: Tyler, it's a wide open race right now. Are the Yankees still going to pull it out in the end?
2: I think so. Um, I mean, they just have so much talent. It's unbelievable. And I think they're going to add even more talent by the trade deadline. Hopefully a big lefty bat somewhere. But um, I mean, yeah, I just don't think anyone else has the talent, even though with all the Blue Jays offseason additions and the Red Sox hot start, the Yankees are just, they just have so much.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Blue, the Blue Jays just fail to address pitching every year. Yeah. And it's like, I just, I can't respect The offense is sick, but you know, when you just have Ryu, and I know, you know, Pearson's either, they called him up or he's coming up. Um, and then they have Robbie Ray, who I'll never take seriously. It's like, I don't know. That's not a rotation. That's going to win the AL East to me. Um, yeah. And their bullpen is nothing, uh, but they had a good, they got a good offense. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it should be a good race for second place in my mind. <laughs>
0: In the AL West, the Oakland A's got off to a horrendous start, obviously turned it around in an enormous way. Houston, they've been – they're doing what we kind of expected them to do. Is it a two-horse race in the West, or are the Angels going to maybe put it together?
1: No, (laughs) the Angels are not going to put it together. No, no, no. Another team, like the Blue Jays, that just failed to address pitching. Like It's like, oh, Trout and Otani, like – Why aren't they better? They have no pitchers besides Otani. It's absolutely nobody. You're relying on Dylan Bundy. Like, come on. And Jose Quintana. What are we doing here? Um, Their bullpen's even worse. Uh, Texas is definitely playing better than they should be at 500 right now. That's impressive. Um, Seattle, who knows with Kalenic? And maybe they get – I don't know. I I don't totally – now, obviously, they're always a first-half team, and they fade, and by July they're 20 under. But – I, I don't know. I always get tricked into Seattle sometimes, um, but that's a two horse race as far as, as far as I'm concerned. And and I think Oakland's actually significantly better than Houston this year uh, with the, with the people that Houston lost and the injuries, obviously, no Verlander. Um, I, I like that Oakland team a lot. They're, they're very dangerous.
2: Yeah. S- Seattle's guaranteed to win the next series because they're playing the Dodgers. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, yeah. Every year with Seattle, it's funny. They just they just have an amazing start, and then and then they realize that they're not actual contenders. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. The Angels, I, I just feel so bad for Trout. <laughs> we talk about this almost every podcast, but it it's it's so sad.
1: Don't they, though, because he gets paid a lot of money.
2: Okay, true. And, I, he, I li-
1: and he lives in LA. Yeah. Life sure. could be a lot worse for Mike Trout. I suppose so. And he chose to, it's not like he's forced to stay, like he signed that contract. So it's like, he's like, he knew he was getting into this. He decided, hey, I'm going to live in my career in LA. I'm going to put up some gaudy numbers. I'm not going to win a single thing. Maybe make the playoffs like one time, maybe. And and I'll be content and I'll retire a Hall of Famer, one of the best ever play the game. And I'll never win a thing in the playoffs. And that's okay. And I'm gonna have a lot of money, have generational wealth. And that's it. And he took that. Good for him.
0: Keeping it in the Bay, but switching it to the National League. San Francisco Giants, one of the most surprising teams of the year. The L.A. Dodgers kind of, I don't know, maybe a World Series hangover. Padres doing what we expected them to do. Rockies, I don't think they even want to be out there anymore. (laughs) So are the Giants for real or is this just early season magic and then the Dodgers and Padres are going to smack everyone around?
1: Giants are fun, man. Fun team. And they got my boy Talkman now. The start that Buster Posey's on is crazy. I mean, hitting 400, what's he at, eight home runs already? Something like that. Eight homers, 12 RBI. It's crazy what he's done. They've got a fun team. They got people who, they you know, big. they remind me a lot of um, that Royals team that won the World Series. Like, a lot of just contact guys. Big contact. Like, just strive on just putting the ball in place, see what happens. Um, They've gotten some good pitching. Um, and, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, LA is having this weird start. I don't expect it to continue. I think they're going to wake up. And especially when, you know, as long as Trevor Bauer, Kershaw and Bueller stay healthy, I think you're going to be okay. No matter who, you know, Dustin may being lost sucks. And I, I hate seeing him go down because that's one of the most fun pitchers in baseball to watch is 98 mile or two seamers. It's insane. Seems like it should be an illegal pitch. Um, yeah, but you know, having price down right now, Bellinger, um, the offense is taking a, taking a hit right now, and they're not really – and and their big problem is their bullpen is this bunch of just absolute nobodies and minor leaguers who shouldn't be in the majors right now. That's really where the biggest problem is. and That could be an issue that, like, continues because who's coming to save this team? Because when Price comes back, probably going to be in the rotation to replace May. So it's like he's not going to be in the bullpen anymore. So I, I just – I don't see how the Dodgers don't with how much talent they have, similar to how you said how the Yankees – like you know, they have too much talent. The Dodgers have all the talent, more talent than the Yankees. So, um, but the Giants um, are fun, and the Padres, obviously, are going nowhere. That's a awesome team. That's the best division in baseball by far. That's what the AL East used to be. Um, you know, with you know teams just beat the crap out of each other and just be awesome. And every game felt like a playoff game with those three teams. Um, so, I'm expecting the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants to just slug it out, and the Dodgers to come out top, and probably the two wild card teams to be in the playoffs would be uh, from the NOS, be the Giants and Padres.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, with the Dodgers, the the offense has been – it's usually either the bullpen or the offense that's a problem. Uh, And hopefully when Bellinger and Zach McKinstry come back – Yeah, McKinstry
1: uh, too. McKinstry's been great.
2: The offense is going to get a little bit of a spark there. Um, And then the bullpen, I mean, there's not a ton of reinforcements coming. Bruce Gratterall. Is hopefully going to be back soon. He had really good playoffs.
1: Yeah, and, uh, he throws absolute gas. That yeah. guy. And then by the um,
2: plus, uh Corey Knievel.
1: Yeah, I was up. just going to Knebel. Knebel. Yeah, he's going to be out to the playoffs.
2: No, not not that long. I, I, Robert said a couple months.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they, I mean, listen, but like you can get guys off the market, and the Dodgers aren't afraid to do that. So they're going to add guys. Um, now, who I don't know, but. Um, They're hurting bad in the bullpen. I know that for sure. I feel I haven't watched a ton of their games because obviously late West coast, but um, the complaints I've seen is they just don't hit right now, which that happens. Yeah. Every team, every team goes through those slides, but it's that they have like double A pitchers in their bullpen and they just blow these leads. And even the game they won the other day where the angels 14, 11, that they were up 13, nothing. And it was like, I was looking at who came in that pitch and I was like, who, who is this person? Like these two guys came in and it's like, wow, it's Crazy. It's crazy to see a team that just I thought would win an easy 105 games struggle like this, but it happens to everybody. It happened to the Yankees. People thought, oh, the Yankees are the only team struggling. You know what? No. The Dodgers are struggling too. And guess what's gonna happen to the Red Sox as well? And it's gonna continue. And um, yeah, it's you know the Mets are struggling for a little bit there, but eventually Water will find its level and these teams will rise to the top.
2: Yeah, I don't know if people forgot after last season how long 162 games is. But- <laughs> yeah it's a really long
1: season. It's it's incredibly long. I mean Dracarlo went like 0 for 8 at one point to begin the year and everyone's gone and it's like insane and then you see it's like it, he made a good point. I love the the way he's handled the media uh since coming to New York has been brilliant and like the way he's like if I went 0 for 8 in like the middle of July no one would say a thing but because it's the start of the year everyone wants me dead. He's like you just got to work you, you know you got to just tune it out and you'll be fine. And it's 0 for 8 slumps happen. To anybody. Um, so, yeah, I just love how handled it Now he's setting the world on fire, and he's been the MVP of the Yankees. So it's funny how that works. Actually,
0: I actually want to switch gears from talking about division races and ask you a question, Hubs. What's, like, the biggest misconception about Yankee fans? Because living in New Jersey and being a Mets fan, like, I probably would know one, or I have my own built-up things that I think that they are like. But what's it like – that when someone stereotypes you and you're like, that's just not how it is amongst the fan base.
1: I don't know. I think actually the stereotypes kind of live up to who they are. I mean, we're not all like like we're it's a very divided fan base where it's like there are the gabba goos. And there's guys like me who just I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm just not not as type of guy. I don't I don't chant 27 rings at you. I realize we've won one title in fucking 20 years. Um, yeah, I just it, it's a very not everyone's the same. But there are plenty of the stereotypes found in, you know, you pick 50 Yankee fans out of a hat, you're going to find some of the stereotypes in some of those people. It's just, you know, there's no stereotype that doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist with everybody.
0: Yeah, the 27 rigs thing, I've heard that for my entire life. And it's just like, if that's the, like, that's when you know you win an argument, when they have to bring that up. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, I got you with reason. And then you're like, oh, look at what Mickey Mantle did, you know, like way, way long ago.
1: Yeah, the, the, the contrary, the the what I'll argue with that. I think Red Sox fans are turning into that. And it's funny. It's like, oh, you know, we've won so much like, all right, man. Like, so I can't talk about 99 and, and 2000 and 96, but you can talk about fucking 04. Like, why? Because it's a few years difference and it, and it plays your narrative. I get that I can't brag about the twenties. Like I totally understand that. And like, I, I, I do that, but like to tell me, I can't talk about, I can't brag about winning four, four and five years. And having one of the best dynasties in sports history, probably the number one dynasty in sports history. Like, no, I'm not, I, that I don't buy. And don't tell me like, Oh, it's because I was seven years old at the time. I was watching those games. So, you know, you could ask my parents, I was watching every single one of those fucking games. So um, that, that bothers me. But yeah, I, I don't go out and brag about Beirut's play in the 1920s. <laughs> you won't see me do that.
0: It's really it's really nice to hear that because so many of them that just like have their head in the sand. And it's nice. that so good that, you know, very tapped in, host the Yankee podcast. It's like, you know, I'm not like that. So it's just very refreshing to hear.
1: Yeah, I have a brain. <laughs> and <laughs> um, And I don't know. I just, I've realized they've won once you know they've won 2009 and that's it since 2000 it's crazy um so yeah it's it's a long time and they're not your father's yankees at all um they're you know they're they're run differently the Hal steinbrenner yankees are run way differently than the george steinbrenner yankees and they try and they make these trades to maneuver to get under the luxury tax yeah they're not the same team um but hopefully it plays their way this year and they find the right pieces and make it work who knows
0: now going back to the NL Central a division that a lot of people probably thought would be a lot better. Cincinnati Reds, a lot of fun there. Nick Castellanos has been doing pretty well. Chicago Cubs, been a disappointment. So that's probably gonna get blown up soon. Milwaukee Brewers been without Yelich and the Cardinals who a lot of us probably thought would win, kind of running away with it. Is, is this just kind of a formality that they're gonna just keep being consistent and win the division? Or is there a team that could possibly, once they're at full strength, make a push?
1: There's One team that went and got Arenado, and, and no one else did. And that's the Cardinals. And they were the ones that that uh, pressed their foot on the gas and said, hey, let's go win this thing. Um, you know, we've been, t- we've been tired of the Cubs and, and the Brewers here. Um, and those teams did really nothing uh, in the offseason. Uh, and, you know, you, you mentioned the Cubs blowing it up. Yeah. I mean, if it stays the way it is, they had a little bit of a – a little bit like, huh? It's interesting what they're doing here, but yeah, I'd expect Bryant to be another team at the deadline. Baez maybe too. Um, I the way they're run and the way it sounds like from Cubs fans, not great. Um, the Brewers can make some noise, especially with Yelich. Uh, you know, not there. You know, um, and but that's another team that just never really adds enough starting pitching for me to really take them seriously. Now, granted, they've got two horses this year, um, and you know they haven't really had that in a long time. Um, But it's the other three that like, who the hell is, who else, who are you three, four, five? So uh, for me, it's the Cardinals um, division lose for sure.
2: I agree. I think, I mean, before the season, everyone expected the Cardinals to be above average and everyone else to be either average or below. Uh, I mean, the Cubs, it's hard to say they're a disappointment because this is just every year now for them, it seems like, although they had a decent 60 games last year. Um, so, yeah, I think the Cubs have to blow it up. Javier Baez is not having a good season at all, even though yeah. – is. Uh,
1: the decline of Javier Baez is shocking to me. I just yeah, can't – I don't absolutely. get it. I do not get it. do it not get it one bit. Him and Gleyber Torres kind of just took a little dive at the same time. It makes no sense.
0: Yeah, Chicago definitely sad. they spent all the money – And they won the World Series, and they yeah. I mean, they won their World Series. They
1: did it. They did their job. Like they ended the curse. So, like, yeah, can't really hate them too much for going all in. You know.
0: Yeah, but it's unfortunate, especially if you're a Cubs fan, that this run wasn't as sustainable as a lot of us expected. Because when they won in '16, we were like, oh, they could be here the next year and the year after. And now it's yeah.
1: You thought that core of of you know uh, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Schwarber was going to just run train on the central at minimum. And, you know, you know, if not get back to the world series multiple times and maybe win a few more and they didn't come close, which is crazy.
0: Especially because it's, they were all under contract and so young, Chris Bryant was in year two, winning MVP, winning world series. And then that was, that was the peak. They were doing,
1: they like did what people had hoped that the, you know, Aaron judge Glaber um, Yankees, did like they they like they did it you know bryant was the star they won the world series like wow this is what the yankees should be these guys can continue to do it and nosedive out of nowhere and the yankees have definitely stayed much more afloat they just haven't hit that peak yet
0: so last division left the nl east mets uh needed an appearance from donnie stevenson to really turn it around <laughs> Philly's doing what we expected them. The Braves a little bit surprising. Nationals are there. And then the Marlins kind of showed last year was a fluke. No one's there, so it's not really missed for them. I will say
1: they got the highest run differential in the whole division by a a lot. They're the only team with a positive run differential, the Marlins, plus 19. Everyone else is negative. So don't totally sleep on them. They've got a young, young talent, too, to call up. I'm not totally out on them.
0: Yeah, and I think watching a lot of NL East games every night, it might be one of the most roller coaster inducing bullpens amongst the five teams ever because I'm only a fan of one of the teams. But I imagine wherever you are in the country, you watch a game and you're like, oh, X, Y, and Z is coming in. You know, I better get like a bag because I'm not going to be able to breathe. Just I mean, from my perspective, Familia and Diaz, it's it's horrifying to watch. It is the worst pain you can feel as a fan, especially with Diaz, because he, like you know he's gonna blow it, but then when he does it, it's like, oh wow, we did something. I feel yeah, like we they've been do good. this tomorrow. They,
1: I feel like they've been pretty good lately, though.
0: Yeah, they've they've definitely turned it around. Which only yes. means that a disaster blow
1: up's coming. Yeah, days. Yeah, it ugh. I will say that, like to your point, like. You watch any if any of these division rivals play each other, it's a dogfight. Like, there's no true advantage unless DeGrom is pitching, obviously. But like if the if the Marlins are playing the Mets, like it can go anyway. Like these it's a true it's not a good division, but it's a fun division because you just don't know what you're gonna get any single night. Um, yeah, the Braves are definitely very disappointing from what I expected. Um, uh, especially that lineup. Um Phillies have been better and I expected a, I expected a good I expect them to stay afloat and be in contention much more than usual it's too much talent that team to suck the Mets are good um the Nats are definitely disappointing um although they have yeah despite like having like the number one batting average in the national League they're four under 500 and it's like how why I know strasburg has been out but um yeah I, I don't want to say it's the Mets division to lose um because God knows what they'll do with that confidence but um I think it's going to be a pretty good dogfight between uh, the Mets, the Phillies, and then the Braves. And the Marlins might make some noise in the wild card. Who knows?
0: Marlins are going to mess up the Mets season. I really can't wait to see it. They're going to, like, play a lot of games in the end of the year. And then they're going to win out of, like, seven out of nine. And then the Mets are like, oh, only need a half a game more. And I don't like Rojas's decision-making. Him in itself is a roller coaster, which yeah. is very hard to stomach because he's, like, so smart. But, like, he learned from Mickey Calloway, who's obviously made some questionable decisions, and he just, like, rubbed off on him in the worst possible way because the same stupid decisions he made, now Rojas does. It It's just a, a, a hard thing to
1: stomach every Yeah, I don't think to. any Mets fan likes Rojas. And it's a shame because, like, I feel
0: like 10 years from now, if they brought him back and he went somewhere and had some success, it'd be like, oh, cool. But now living in this moment, it's it's tough to watch. Yep. Kyler, how do you feel about this division?
2: Um, I thought the Braves were going to not run away with this, but I think they were. I thought they were going to win easily, and especially with the type of season Acuna's having. Like uh, the same thing that Hub said about uh, Buxton and the Twins. If someone told me that it that Acuna was going to be the leading MVP candidate on May 10th, and the Braves would be 500, I think they're 17 and 17 right now, then I mean that's just disappointing, especially with that roster that they
1: have. That yeah, F- Freeman's been bad. Well, yeah. I mean he's still got the power nine homers, twenty one RBIs, but two seventeen batting average. Obviously, still three fifty two OVP. Albie's has had a down year. Um, it's really just been Acuna carrying the load here, and no, one, and their bullpen hasn't been good. Um, now they don't have really any big names in the bullpen. I guess they did just add Shane Shane Green back. Um, who might be a Brave, I feel like, forever <laughs> at this point. I feel like, oh, I just – I just his name and the Braves just go hand-in-hand hand together at this point. But, yeah, the Braves have been a disappointment. One of the bigger disappointments, I think, despite – I mean, they're 500. They're fine. You know, like they're right in contention to the division. But I just thought, like you, they'd be in a much better spot right now. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Only got a little bit of time left. So, Hubs, I want to ask you, what is the story in baseball we're not talking about that at the end of the season – will be one of the big storylines at the conclusion
1: oh one of the storylines we're not talking about that will be that's not very that's such a hard question to ask out of the blue um (laughs) um we already have our mets debacle so that's that. we got that out of the way real quick um Padres have been good at I mean I don't know what do you well like what's your answer to that
0: I think it's gonna be how more teams didn't realize they need bullpen help and then someone's gonna get a big piece from an out of contention team and be like oh why didn't we trade for him we needed you know a real good setup guy like I feel like if the Brewers are out of contention someone's gonna get Josh Hader and then it's going you to be that
1: every year though. Yeah. But if
0: the brewers are like really out of it and like so many teams need bullpen help, we just said five teams in one division that all have the yips. So someone's going to make the big move. If the brewers, like you said, are willing to finally part with them.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. So I'll give you a few, one more of a league one. Um, just how, Drastic a change Manfred made to the balls and how much it affected the entire. Like you see, runs are down so much unless your name is Mike Trout. Um, like I won't say it's my alarm. Uh, you, like runs are down so much throughout the league, and it's crazy how much he messed up with the balls just to, just to try and. I don't even, I don't even know what the goal was. Like people want to watch runs, they don't want to watch shutouts and people swinging. It's crazy. Um, and then, more my scope. I think two things with the Yankees where – and obviously the whole world revolves around the Yankees in my mind. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but Luis Severino's return in July, you know, you, how does he look? Because that's that used to be one of the most exciting, young, amazing pitchers in the league. Hasn't pitched in two years. So he could change the whole course of the American League. And if he comes back, especially if Kluber's continue to pitch like this, and Tyone and, and you know, Domingo and all that, along with Cole – very scary team potentially with that rotation. If he comes back the way he should. And another one for longer term is Aaron judge after this year has one year left on his deal. And right now he's not playing well. He's healthy, I guess, uh, unless he's playing through something, which he always kind of is. And it's like, well, this off season, if he doesn't play to like an Aaron judge level, like does he accept this? You know, a, a low end extension, or is he going to test it one more year and play into basically a, you know, a, a, a uh approve it yield approve uh, it uh, prove it year or whatever. Um or do the Yankees think about trading him? So I think Aaron Judge's future, which is a big time storyline in, in major league, in major league baseball, could hang in the balance next few months. And that could be interesting to watch.
2: For me, uh, I never thought I would say this, but I think the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh Detroit Tigers and Colorado Rockies, their race for the top two pitchers in the draft, Jack Leiter and Uh, Kumar Rocker, I think those guys – I've been watching those guys over at Vanderbilt, and those guys are, I think, the future of the league right there. Those are two of the best college pitchers we've ever seen with the most MLB potential. And so those are three teams that desperately want one of those two pitchers, and I want to see how much they're actually going to sell to lose. I know there's not that huge tanking in the MLB that we see in other leagues like that. Well, it's already
1: set, though, isn't it? The draft order's set. Oh, is it? It's not. Yeah. I mean, the Pirates have the first pick. So that's a storyline itself is do the Pirates go with lighter or do they go with the shortstop kid from also from Vanderbilt? Yeah. And then two, I want to say, I, I assume it's the Rockies and Tigers are two and three or whatever. And then the Red Sox are four. Hope to God Kumar Rocker and lighter are gone before it goes to the Red Sox. That's my that's my hope.
2: I actually think Rocker could go uh, ahead of lighter. Oh, I,
1: I don't think. So. I think lighter's. I, I think they're a little scared about Rocker's control uh, just from things I've read. Lighter is so, so good. Yeah. So nasty. Um, I think he, he is like a perfect pitcher that I can't uh, like true, like, like Steven Strasburg almost when he came out like that good. Akuma Rocker, obviously very good too.
0: Yeah, there is a lot to watch and a lot still to digest. It's only May. We still got four more months of this. An enormous thank you to Eric Hubs. If you if you don't know where to find him, Barstool Sports, the Short Porch Podcast. A big thank you to you for joining us, Kyler Huffman, here with us. That's all the time that we have for today. Hubs, anything you want to leave us with? Nope, that's it. Go Yankees! Let's win the division. We will be back to well, yeah, tomorrow with another one. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA. But yeah, that's all we got. Hope everyone stays safe. Uh, Thank you for listening. At Wavelengths Pod on Instagram, at the Sports Wave on Instagram as well. Thank you to everybody. A lot to be thankful for. So uh, we'll see you on the next one.
1: Yeah.